You Can Run a Marathon on the Alley on the Run show is brought to you by Generation You Can. Welcome to the Alley on the Run show. I'm your host, Allie Feller. I've run six marathons. Five went great. One, well, one did not. But like any runner of any distance, I learned a little something and a few big somethings from each race. Dare I say I learned the most from the one where I totally overtrained, totally got in my head, and totally crossed the finish line a full half hour past my goal time. Cool. Good times. I am not the person from whom to take running advice. After all, my motto is positive splits for positive people. But here's what I can do. I can ask a lot of nosy questions from a lot of people who are qualified to give you great advice. Whether you're training for your first marathon, your fastest marathon, or your comeback from illness or injury marathon, I want to help make sure you get to that start line feeling amazing. Fortunately, I have a great crew of people here to help me help you. So far on the You Can Run a Marathon series, you've heard from pro runner Alexi Pappas and Olympic alpine skier turned Olympic marathon runner Shireen James. This week, I've got Mo Alkawalde for you. So, what does Mo know? Well, Mo's a former smoker turned 223 marathoner. He's one of the top ranked runners in the Middle East and North Africa, and his goal is to represent Jordan in the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games. So, 223 marathoner must be a full-time pro, right? Not so. Mo works full-time at Princeton University and squeezes his hardcore training in before and after the workday, just like the rest of us. In 2015, Runner's World Magazine named Mo one of the 50 most influential people in running. Let's find out why. Mo, thank you so much for being here today. We're going to have lots of fun here on the Alley on the Run show talking all things running and marathoning. I'm excited to get to know you. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, Allie. Appreciate it. All right. So you have a super inspiring story. You were a smoker. Now you're a 223 marathoner. Let's go back in time. Can you tell me a little bit how you got into the 26.2 mile distance? Why running and why the marathon specifically? When I started, like um, I wanted just to have a healthy lifestyle back uh, when I was back home before I came to the state. Um, I chose about running just um, because it's just easy to do. And you don't have, don't need to have to have people to do it. You can do it by yourself anywhere, anytime. It doesn't require any membership, gym membership or anything. You just get out and just run. Um, so that's what I've chosen uh, running for that purpose. It's easy to do and it's good. It keeps you fit and there's nothing better than not running, I think. But um, so that's how I started. Uh, I chose that sport um, for the easy of the logistics of it. I love that you call it easy. You run a 223 marathon. Nothing about that seems easy. But what is it about the long distance? Why did you want to run for 26 miles at a time? Um, I think because it's um, because it takes a lot from you mentally and makes you tough. And I think if you can run a marathon, you can do a lot of th- other stuff that people see uh, it's hard to do. But for us as a marathoner, we see it easy because we do something way higher than other stuff that people are doing on a daily basis. Um, especially in the morning, like when I get done, like if I'm 15 miles around before I go to work, and I think it's the hard part of the day is, is done, like whatever, um, whatever like comes at, at work um, would be, I'll take it easier because I've done something hard and then what I'm going to face. You know what I'm saying? 
So do you remember when you decided to run your first marathon? Where were you at in life? And do you remember the moment that you thought like, hey, I'm going to run a 26.2 mile race? Um, yes, I remember actually when um, I just signed up for the Philly math and that was my first math in 2013. And I didn't have a coach by then. I was just doing things from my own, just run every day, aerobic runs. And uh, and I didn't know that it takes more than just training. It takes that that you have to do a lot of things in, to tune up for that math and and but when I show up to the race and I I didn't even have anything with me like you have to have gels you have to have a lot of stuff to keep you going and and it was like it was it was I felt like I've done something wow great for myself but um, like I realized there's a read a lot um, into it it's not like just you want to decide to run a math and you just can you cannot fake a math and that's why I realized when I sign up for the Philly math and yes you have to really be trained for it and since then I said I need to take it seriously and uh, and focus on it a little bit more so when you ran Philly that first time were you just like I'm just gonna do this and try it and have some fun or did you have specific goals in mind um, I said if I can run like under three hours it would be great um, I wasn't doing any tempos or anything. I was just doing like long runs, as I said, and then, um, just doing, just hearing from my friends, talking to them, what do you do? It's like just as long as you do your two hours on every week, doesn't matter anything in between. So I was just taking this philosophy. I was working a lot of overseas in Africa and just traveling a lot. So I just say, you know, as long as I get like 60 minutes a day, it would be, it would be good to go. Um, even I didn't do the carbo loading stuff that people do that we're now we're trying to do to to have a good race and um, the race that I need for the marathon. Um, but yeah, I mean, I showed up and I just ran it and I after 20 miles, I know exactly what the marathon is about. So what surprised you about that first marathon? Um, I, I mean, I think myself, I surprised myself that I... You can push yourself, you know. It's not about even if you're not trained enough. The mental part plays a, a big part of it. After, especially after 20 miles, and after that, I kept working on towards like I can get to the 20 miles mark, but what what's gonna get me from 20 miles to the 26? Last six miles, what do I need to do um, in order for me to finish stronger than I started? Which is impossible, but sometimes we try to convince ourselves that we can do it. <laughs> <laughs> So you had this goal in mind in your head. You thought, hey, my first marathon, why not run under three hours? And yeah. how'd it go? Um, I ran two hours 37. Yeah, you beat the three-hour mark by quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah which that surprised me with it. And I felt like, um, you know, you can surprise yourself if you can do it. And um, you just have to show up. And I just showed up. I mean, um, it was fun. I remember that marathon very well, actually. And I remember the last hill of the Philly marathon and uh you know, I, every year I go there to watch it, to see friends who are running it, just to remember what the, you know, the last couple of miles of it, because I remember them very well. Um, and the finish up, when you finish through your first half, and is this, uh, I think that's one of the greatest moments of your life, I think. Um, and a lot of people will recall me the same thing, same way when they do their first math. And so after you finished that first one, did you immediately want to run another, or were you like, that was insane, never again? No, I didn't say, like, if I want to do it, it has to be really uh, done probably because if I love running, I need to have running for long term. So I don't want to burn myself now and just not to take care of it very well. So I went back and um, 
I decided to have a coach and decided to to have a mentor just to guide me through what do I need to do um, during the training cycle and all of that. And then from there, like the journey started, like I can do a marathon. Uh, I just have to focus on it and it will take time. And, um, you know, I don't have the, I don't think so that you can just show up to a race without training for it. Um, and as I say, and I realized you can't fake a marathon. I think I could have faken a 10K half marathon, but a marathon is impossible to fake um, just to show up for it and just to want to do it. Um, so that, from there, I just started to say, you know what? I mean, I loved it. I love the atmosphere of the race, the people cheering for you the last mile, and I want to do it again. So um, then I started working with the coach, um, uh, and I signed up for the Vienna Marathon afterwards. Um, and I ran it in two hours, I think, 33. Um, that was the, that's the second uh, marathon I did. Wow. So, yeah. So just chipping away at that time to get down to the 223 that you're at now. Talk to me a little bit. You know, I think we see times like, oh, wow, he's a 223 marathoner. He must be a runner. That must be his full-time job. But that's <laughs> not the case for you. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're at most you're running like two hours at a time. What are you doing with the rest of your days? Yeah, I mean, I work full time. I work for the Princeton University. Um, and actually, when I, I booked the conference room to put your name and podcast, and it was like my boss came and said, um, do we work with this vendor? I said, no. <laughs> no. Vendor. Yes, <laughs> no. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> because like, um, I'm not sure, because she's like, she uh, she just came back from uh, long, a long leave and she said, is this something new? We're going to set up a contract with it. I said, no, that's just me and, but and running could. life. Yeah. they'd like <laughs> yeah. to talk about that, I'd be happy yeah. to discuss that with them. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So um, that's what I'm giving an example. Like I'm at work now doing the call at work and um, um, it just started. Uh, they love it. They support you. I, I keep telling my friends who want to do a full-time job and other stuff in their life, choose the right employer for you to help you. And there's no better than being in a university where you have the resources to train and plus um, your career will uh, keep developing um, and uh, with a good uh, vibes and atmosphere around you. And how much during the day are you on your feet and how much are you sitting down? Um I, I go around a lot of meetings around campus, um, so I don't, we have the, you know, I, I bike to meetings, so um, it's just too more convenient and it just, it's good to bike, but I'm not on my feet that much. I mean, I um, sit in meetings a lot, but it just, it takes a lot from you mentally than uh, physically, especially like you wake up early, early morning. My, st- my day start at five, uh, five in the morning, I do about two hours off the run and activation and all of that you know stuff that's running and then you come to the to work um until 5 five thirty. um you go to uh your second run and gym work and um you get back i just like it's just nothing you can do it's like juggling um sleep run work family and all of that together i mean it's sacrifice but it's you cho- i say tell myself i chose it and I love doing it. Um, and nobody pushed me to do what I'm trying to do. Talk to me about those sacrifices. Where you're at right now, what do you feel that you sacrifice in order to train at the level that you train? Um, I think a lot of, I mean, the sacrifice is not that big sacrifice, but you, you socially definitely you will limit your social life. You will limit a lot of events that you would like to do. But 
I mean, it's like Saturday night, there's a big party you would like to attend, but Sunday morning, I mean, my coach is Ryan Hall. He he, he treats us, he treats every athlete individually, but he tells you, like, I want you to do the work um, in order for you to achieve the goals that you want me to help you to achieve. So he basically give, give you, like, on, on Sunday, I have a 23 miles run where you have um, one more one mile warm-up, then 10 miles off to uh, about 6.15, then the last last 10 miles race pace. I mean, if I went that night, that to that night, I wouldn't be able to do it because you'd be just doing drinking and eating a lot and you wouldn't be doing anything. So, and you cannot wake up and just say, I want to do it. Um, um, so this stuff, it, it's limit your life, limit your social life and definitely has sometimes effect on your family and that you are using your vacation days. I have about 24 vacation days. You're using it only for races because we'd like to go for like Tokyo. You need at least one week to uh to get there to get ready for the race and that takes from your vacation days you know you're not um you're not a full-time athlete you can do there you can go there like a month before or uh you come back to your family and then go for vacation so these stuff little things it's ma- it's not a big things but it matters you know so you mentioned your coach, Ryan Hall. He's a very familiar yeah. name. He was on the show here yeah. recently. We love Ryan yeah. Hall. How did that come? How did that happen? How did you end up with him as your coach? Um, I just like, I, I had a, a lot of great coaches before Ryan. I, I got coached by Lee True. I got coached by Andrew Caster. And um, so I was uh, I was trying to like, to to, to get to a coach who understand um what does it mean, individual athlete? Because Ryan Hall did some of his career individually. Even I've been watching him, like in his career, he used to train by himself sometimes and coach by himself. So this mentality helps. And and the way his approach um, into coaching is different than other people. Um, it's not like the common things. No, I will give you what works for you and for your schedule. And you tell me what do you need and what do you love, and we kind of focus on that. But the way I... Um, I met um, I met Sarah Hall actually in Mammoth Lakes uh, when I was there doing just uh, two weeks of a visit and and vacation uh, over the summer, and um, I get in touch with them from there and we started uh, talking and chatting and then I um, I saw how interested Sarah Hall and Ryan Hall their foundation work beside like the, a lot of the humanitarian work they did in Ethiopia and Africa. Um, I got the opportunity to, to nominate Sarah Hall to an, uh, an award. Actually, it's called the Athlete in Excellence Award. Um, so, and she won that award back in 2018. Um, so that's how we started getting to know each other more. So when you reach out to Ryan about coaching you, what was your goal at the time? Do you remember? Were you like, hey, I want you to get me down to 223 or hey, my goal is to, you know, to, to break that two hour mark. I'm going to forget Kipchoge. I'm the guy. What did you reach out to about your goals at the time? Um, I just said I want to, to run um, my potential. Like I, if you think I'm what's my potential, if you can get me to the full of my potential, that's what I want. I might not be able to, to run 210. But I had, I'm passionate to, I wanted to break the 220, to run 219, 218. If you, um, and I'm sure that you, you, you did the work. Like you as an athlete, you have done it. You know exactly what it's about. So it helped me to, to do it. And so we start talking. He asked me about, I think he sent me a list of 100 questions to answer. 
I managed to answer 50 of them. <laughs> it was too detailed. Um, but I said, in the end of it, I said, Ryan, I love the questionnaire. They're great. But all I want is uh, is to run fast. And you did it. How did you do it? So that, um, and he, I mean, the, the way he respond with me all the time, like in a, we respond daily, uh, messages about the workout and runs. And um, he gives you the flexibility to change workout as you, as you go because he knows that we have lives, we have work, we get sick, we travel and um, and family and all of that. So, so that might as goal. Like I said, Tim, I I don't know if I am talented enough to run the 218, but I have the passion for it. And I think if you and I if hard work, if you do the hard work, it works because that's how I believe in hard work works. So where are you at now with your training? Um, I am about almost six to seven weeks um, away from the fall uh, from film for marathon. Um, I'm doing Berlin in September. Um, so I am about, um, you mean training training wise or time wise you're talking about? Uh, training wise, how are you feeling? How are things uh, looking? How's it going? Um, things, is good. things are good. You know, I mean, it's just hard. Like some weeks you have great days. Some weeks like you just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm just tired doing it. And it just takes a lot because, because my days, I mean, I mean, I put my own table for my long runs and I put my own table for my tempo runs, um, because it's hard to find someone close to around where I live in Princeton to train with you. I mean, usually most of them, colleague, um, they run for college, which is maximum. Their long run not, is not as um, as high as, as ours and even pace or even mileage-wise. So, um, so you just have to do it and you have to get up and put your table on. You put your can bottles and just keep, you know, every, yeah, you have to practice the race. You have to practice the tempo. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, sometimes you have a great time, workout, sometimes you have terrible workout, um, but I adjust during the weather and how I feel and all of that, but but um, you never know. I mean, you you know the sport very well. You go to the math and you think you're ready, <laughs> and mile 15, something, I don't know what's going on, mile 20, <laughs> things looking like uh, not right, but um, it's about staying healthy and enjoying the process um, Talk to me about staying healthy. What do you do to stay healthy, and what does your recovery look like? Um, I take my days easy, really easy. Um, as Ryan Hall said, I he said like when I run the two o four in Boston, his easy run pace were eight minute pace. So I remember that when in the first call we first call we did uh, uh, about six months, five months ago, he told me just take it easy. So I took this advice, and it works very well. Um, I take the like I shuffle my easy days and the work hard workout days I just give it all my maximum potential or like 90% especially on the tempo runs and the long runs um, but and I I have also um, work with a nutritionist um, to to help me exactly how uh, what do I need to enhance performance um, especially working full time you need to know exactly what you're eating during the day and what's what's good, what's bad for you, because also you have to perform in your job and that matters too, um, because you're performing two jobs, in my opinion, and it takes a lot um, more than just doing it. You have to support it with other components. Nutrition is one factor, and of course, um, staying healthy from injuries. Do you take rest days, like total no running, no yeah, exercise? I take, 
uh, one day off uh, every week. Uh, actually, we I hit about 95 miles with one, one, one day off. Wow. Let's talk a bit more about nutrition. Can you walk uh, me through what does like a standard day in your diet look like? Um, I start in the morning with a cup of coffee, um, plain toast, um, white just Trader Joe's ones, easy ones, and just put honey on it, um, and I put coffee, and I just go. And that's if I do it only if I'm running uh, more than ten miles. If I'm running like about eight miles, I would just have a cup of coffee, half banana, and or have a bottle of you can, and I just go um, to the run. After the run, right away, I would have a um, uh, performance protein you can, the chocolate one with soy milk, uh, with soy almond milk, um, and. Uh, and plus, um, you know, um, two egg white and a side, and I go to work right away. And I would have another snack at 10 o'clock with uh, um, uh, butter with apple. Then 12 o'clock, I'll have my uh, my lunch, would be grilled chicken salad or um, with, um, with white rice. Um, then I would have a snack on 3, 3 p.m. My snack is you can chocolate bar with the peanut butter chocolate bar. Because it's just easy and and that that thing works. I'm telling you, Ali. I don't know how, but it works. <laughs> I have energy. I, I'm just telling someone like the day in the gym. I said I'm not. I mean, yeah. I mean, they. I'm ambassador for them, but I. It. it this product works. Uh, that's all I can say. And uh, and it does. So at 3 p.m. I'll have my UCAN bar, and then I'll go for my run around five-ish, five thirty to six. Um, then I do uh, my own routine in the gym. And recently, I because I used to struggle a lot with my um, my core, like when I do my own core, the second day I'll have a lot of hip issues, and I start integrating something called the reformer pilates. If you have done it oh, before, oh yeah, it's so hard. It's hard because you balance, <laughs> <laughs> because you have to do it right because of the the machine does it for you, balance your body and then works the muscles. So I've been doing integrating that about twice a week, and as a um, uh, so I don't have to do like core mat or the the stuff that usually stuff that people do because when I do it I just get hurt the second day so I integrate the performer Pilates and our instructor she's really good she understands the body very well and um, things are seems improving like upper body wise uh, with me so that's my full day come back home and I will um, I've already cooked something on the weekend Saturday Sunday. Um, I would cook like uh, uh, just regular stuff like uh, salmon with uh, with some veggies and white and also white rice. I believe in white rice. I don't know. That's what the Kenyans eat, and that's why they're fast. <laughs> that's the secret. The secret <laughs> yeah. is in the white rice. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Even do, you, the... <laughs> do you generally have a, a sensitive stomach or a stomach of steel? Um, yeah, I have a very sensitive stomach. Um, that's why I have to be very careful what exactly I eat. That's why I don't eat a lot of veggies. I mean, they're good, but I can't eat them too much of them because second day I'll have issues while doing my run. So uh, I'll just keep it simple. Um, and yeah, but I just I drink a lot of um, water, keep dehydrating at the day, and that's what is it. You know, just keep it simple. Um, um, I don't go into too much deep into it. Um, Yep. Time for a pause to hear from our sponsor, Generation You Can. Look, I can and will gladly sit here all day telling you why Generation You Can is a great option when you're looking for training and racing fuel. 
The bars are yummy. The powder is a great option for mixing into your water bottles. It's made with that groovy super starch that is not filled with artificial sugars and won't make you experience those oh so common sugar highs and crashes. So yeah, I can sit here and I can tell you all those things. I can do that all day. Or I can let the pros keep doing all the work for me. After Alexi Pappas was on the show, I asked her why you can. Here's exactly what she told me. I first discovered UCAM when I started training for longer distances and teammates of mine offered it to me to try. What's so cool about the company is that people often hear about it because other people already believe in it so much. I then used it without being sponsored for years, even bringing it to Rio and using it before my Olympic race where I ran a personal best and national record. I continue to use it today to fuel for long workouts, long runs, and races. So in other words, try you can go to Olympics, run personal best and national record. Sold great. Now go to generationucan.com and use code on the run to get 20% off your order plus free shipping. If you're new to you can, check out the you can run starter pack. Go to generationucan.com/onthern50 for 50% off starter packs. And sure, enjoy free shipping there too. We got you. That's generationucan.com/onthern50 for the starter pack. Now let's get back to Mighty Mo. All right, so let's talk race week. Let's pretend yep. it's the week of the Berlin Marathon. Yep. What is dinner the night before the race? Oh, uh, spaghetti. Oh. Yeah. With red sauce, what kind of sauce? What are we talking about? Uh, out, out, uh, red sauce, not too many, so much sauce, no cheese, just uh, with a French bread, uh, half a French bread, and just drink water. I drink water with it, um, and that's it. And I'll have a a little bit of watermelon as a dessert afterwards. Ooh, nice. Do yeah. you tend to sleep well the night before a big race? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't uh, – usually I cut coffee about um, two weeks, uh, just three weeks from full race day, and I just drink decaf. Um, and I just um, – so that helps me also to sleep more, and I just get used to sleeping early, um, especially the last week before the race. All right, your alarm goes off. It's race morning. Walk me through your race morning and tell me what's for breakfast and when you eat it. So, like, if the race starts at 7 a.m., when are you having breakfast? What's breakfast? What are your other morning of routines? Yeah, um, last time I was in Tokyo and I did last math, and I was um, I ordered in, in the room pancakes, and I was afraid that the Japanese pancakes would be different than, uh, than the one in the U.S., but it turns out they are... Um, I think they were the same um, and was I had my own I bring my own um, uh, maple syrup with me because I'm just afraid not to find a good one so I was traveling with it because my my wife is from Maine and they have a good uh, maple syrup there so I just drop it with it all the time so I have pancake banana white toast and a coffee and I'm good to go love that and so yeah. how long before the race do you eat uh, about three hours Okay, so and I would have a snack on, I have a snack in like an hour and a half before the race. And what's your snack? Um, I will have a, a date, just two dates, and um, I have a banana. Love yep. that. All right. What about yeah. fueling during the race? What's your plan? Um, I eat. I I drink every five. Uh, 5k I drink every 5k and um, I drink about six to eight ounces um, of um, you can sort of starch and uh, that's what I've been trying to I mean I've been training for the past year almost 
Um, and um, but yeah, and that's that's about it. Um, six to eight ounces every five k. Um, and, and sometimes I take the sport that um, the drinks that they have on the course for sure, especially on the last um, ten to fifteen k of the race. All right, what are you thinking about during a marathon for the most part? How much is tactical? How much are you looking down at your watch? How much are you zoning out? What tends to go through your head over the course of, you know, two hours and change? Um, I think the first 21K, I'd like to socialize with the, the group I'm running with to see what they're, what they're planning for, what they are trying to do. Like, are they going for the time I'm going or are they just going how they feel? Um, so you can you can work work together. Um, that works well in Berlin, but wasn't working well in Tokyo uh, because the weather was wasn't great and just people starting to be off and I end up running solo the last almost 12 miles. But usually that's what I do just to feel the vibes around me, see who would like to tag along, who would like to take like the train we call it train workout where you take a mile and a mile. Um, until we see who can last. And um, that's how we do in the beginning of it. Uh, after 20 miles, I start um, s- staying awake. Like, just it's about six miles to go, and this is when it's going to be rough. 23 miles, what they're going to be, your body either will crash or, 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 or you will have more energy to keep going. Um, so I keep making sure that I take my nutrition. I make sure that I look around. Um, but in the last three miles, I, it depends a lot on that on the crowd um, of the race um, uh, that to help you to keep going. I think that's it's fascinating, and uh, you know it as uh, I mean as much as I do. And that without the crowd, I think there's no marathon. <laughs> All right. So I'm fascinated by this idea of the socializing part at the beginning. So you're rolling up. We'll yeah. say in Berlin, you're just gonna kind of look around. You're not going to know anyone. And in that first mile, are you just going to be like, hey, everyone, I'm Mo. Anyone want to run with me? Like, what does that actually no. look like? No, no, no. I mean, actually, we uh, you can tell because it's sometimes you warm up, like we leading up to the marathon day in Berlin um, as everyone arrives and prepares for the for this biggest day. I mean, everyone came to Berlin for the fast times. They want to run big marathon. Um, and usually we chat with everybody, and I know exactly the target I need to chat with. Now I want to chat with people 210 to 15. I mean, you chat with the people 220 and see what what they're looking for. And uh, you see them before the math, and so you, they're familiar to you, uh, to me before even running the race. But and during the race, you don't know how they feel, so you start like just chatting and say, uh, "This Mo, would you like to? What you would like to tag with me? I'm going for 220, 222, 223." And then people will be responsive because none of us will win the race <laughs> at this point. <laughs> so we all just go running to help each other. And uh, it works sometimes. Like sometimes in Tokyo, I, I lost my – I couldn't get my bottle. And uh, the, other, the other guy got it, so he gave me some of his drink. And, you know, you have to be lucky. I mean, if it's, it's nothing, nothing really – um, it's a normal drink. You're good to go. It's bad. You're bad luck, eh? <laughs> but isn't that really just the beauty of the marathon that you yeah. can just chat up someone who has similar yeah. goals to you and 26 yeah. miles later, you both hit your goals and you got a new friend. Yeah, definitely. It's an amazing connection that you feel uh, with other runners and the crowd around you even um, because it's it's just um, it's a definitely connects you with people because after after the race you come talk to them you thank them if they help you they will thank you if you help them 
and then you keep chatting and you add them in your Instagram and you follow them in their Instagram and just keep chatting and talking to them. And usually the target I run with, I mean, the majority of them, like they have a similar lifestyle. And sometimes we have a, a group chat where we, they ask each other about how, how do you do it when you travel and how do you do it when you have a long day at work and this stuff you have to tag along with people who you, you're doing the same job. I mean, I can't chat with someone who's all his life is run, eat, sleep, and he would end up too tan. Yeah, you can take a lot of advice with them. You can train with them. They can pace you, but they won't have the mentality or the lifestyle that you're living in. All right, so we've talked quite a bit about what it looks like to train like you and to do all that you're doing. And I love that we touched on that bit here about the social aspect of it because yeah. you, beyond that, beyond the race course, you're proof that running can really make a difference, not just in our own lives, but in the lives of others. I want to talk yeah. to you a little bit about that and the work that you do and all the amazing philanthropy that you do. Why is it so important for you to use the power of running for good in this world? And how are you doing that? Um, I mean, I'm just doing it even by just connecting with people. And I say, because running is not individual sport. Yes, it individually you do it by yourself, but you end up um, coming to a day where you will do it together. We st we all come to to the race with goals. And, and I think um, currently now I started coaching on the Princeton community. I'm the I just got actually accepted for a coach for to to be the head coach for the Princeton Running Club, which is the student who doesn't want to be like go for um, to compete for the university, but they just love it because they want to. They love running, which is we have I will have about 35 um, athletes, and plus I will invite people from the community around to uh, to train together because the running is about community. It's about not it's not about performance. From in my opinion. Um, but um, I just love the, the way embracing the math and message about being together, about tolerate together and be positive. I mean, when you go for a run, everyone's positive, everyone's happy, even before or after, usually after more than before. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just beyond running fast on then um, being together that help us to, to stay motivated. And, and I think that's what I love about it. And I, that's why I encourage a lot of people around me all the time just to show up. Even if you think that you cannot tag along with, with, the, with the guys, you just at least you can start with us for two miles and then you can, you have, you're finished to run. But if you don't show up, you're not going to be able to, to know if you can do it. Um, so that's how I see running is about creating positive change around you and with yourself and the people around you. Because if you, if you're peaceful, there are people around you will be peaceful and you can also work all together for change and work all for yourself and for improve your own performance and work the time that you're looking for to do. All right. So runners world named you one of the 50 most influential people in running. Can you yeah. talk about that and what earned you that status? That's a pretty good title. Yeah, um, actually, that was back in, uh, when I was working in um, with an NGO called Generation for Peace, uh, where we um, worked on, on projects um, for use sport as a tool um, to 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 bring um, people together. Uh, doesn't matter where they're from, doesn't matter their ethnicity or color or religion, and and I've I've I was in, I was working on these programs and. Plus, um, embracing the message of um, togetherness, and we need to be 
all together um, in one game. It doesn't matter the game that you're playing, but we are doing it together. Um, and uh, these programs were very successful. Um, we, uh, the organization now, one of the big, biggest organizations on the Middle East now, they have about, uh, we started as um, almost 15 staff members, now it's 150. That tells you how much the projects have been improving. Um, and I think that's I've been selected on that um, of um, from being also named as a, the master for Beirut math and for bringing a lot of people to the Beirut math and to to start running the the, the math and because a lot of people back home from Jordan um, it's hard for them to travel overseas to do um, big marathons um, it could be easy financially or even like they don't have the mean or to to do it so Beirut is the closest. Uh, country to Jordan to do it. So we encourage a lot of people from that, uh, from our community to go to Beirut and run a Beirut Marathon. And Beirut Marathon is one of the most successful, actually, events um, in, in the Middle East. And it has a silver, I think, or bronze, sorry, bronze um, uh, category from the IWF. And uh, and people now, they keep doing it. They love doing it. And now we own, we have our own marathon in Jordan towards Amman. Marathon happens every October. And, and where we invited like big athletes to come to it. Um, they, the last time, the guy who won 215, which is that set the, the bar high for the kids back home that they can, they can do it too if they see people and for them doing it. Well, that's amazing and important work and so commendable. So the last thing that we need before we sprint to the finish here is I need your best piece of advice based on what you've learned from all the marathons you've run. What's the greatest lesson, the biggest takeaway? What stands out to you? Uh, I think hard work works. That's why I, I, that's the only thing I take with me every morning before I go to sleep or I wake up in the morning is hard work works. If you do the work, it definitely with tens on and for good things and uh, you do it for yourself and you don't have to, um, you don't have to wait to other people to, to, to let you to do the job that you're supposed to do. Um, you set your tra- your path and you start doing the work and other things will fall around if it's a good path because and you will have the good people to support you um, because when you when you start working and you need people be around you so I always advise people be around people who can make the difference between motivation and giving up because you don't want to give up and but also you want people to keep you motivated it doesn't matter it's a coach mentors um, uh, anyone around you uh, you need to know exactly the people who would love you to proceed and succeed in life and um and yeah don't be afraid of asking for advices and just um, keep going and just be happy and be grateful for what you have all right and talk to me about your goals we touched on what you're doing this fall we know that 2020 is an olympic year will we see you representing jordan in those 2020 olympic games um, I mean, after um, actually, it is funny because we we were all training for uh, the standard B and A before the IWF changed the standard. As you know, uh, there used to be 219, you would qualify automatically, and or 215 as standard A. Now they have one standard is the 211, so now it would be one um, one C um, for uh, for an athlete from Jordan to go either through ranking or if the federation would need to nominate the best male athlete to go to represent Jordan in the Olympics. Um, and that was like some of the, 
athletes in Jordan, they would say like, I want to stop, stop doing it. Um, I want, they don't want to do it anymore. Um, but when I think about it, I mean, I said, I, when I start running, I never believed even me finishing a math. And so if I stopped means I, I, I didn't, I, I stopped complete what I'm passionate about, which is running, not about being an Olympian. But definitely I'm trying to, in Berlin, to run to break the 220 if I can, if I can run 219. But my goal is to run, to break the national record. Is um, uh, That's my my biggest goal that I put for myself after the IWF changed the standard and I said I need to set my another higher bar and higher goal to reach out, which is to run 217. It's going to be even harder, but... Um, Nothing is impossible. I mean, a lot of the athletes in, in the U.S., they work full-time, and they run around 215, 216. Um, I just just to follow these athletes, see what they do, and learn from them. So if I if I get the chance to represent, definitely would be an owner. I will be so happy. That was my, my goal, my intended goal. But when they changed it to 11, I was realistic with setting another goal, and they made it that would satisfy me as an athlete. Um, because if I can run to 11, I'll be... I'll be great, but uh, you have to also be realistic with your goals. I love it. I love being realistic, but I also love dreaming really big. So it sounds like you've got a good balance there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. With all that good stuff, we like to wrap things up here with our finishing kick. This is where you've run your 26 miles. You know you're coming in hot. You've got 0.2 to go. These are just the last few things to get you across that line. How's that sound? Yep. All right. What is your favorite marathon-specific workout? The marathon simulation, where you do 10 miles easy and then you go 10 miles hard. All right, you're about to win a marathon of your choice. So any marathon, you're going to win it. What marathon would you choose to win? (laughs) That's hard. Uh, I think I would uh, say New York. That's a good one. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so you're about to win the New York City Marathon. What yeah. song do you want playing as you cross the finish line? I am the Tiger. Good one. All right, yeah. you cross that line, you break the tape. Who is the first person you hug or kiss after crossing the line? Uh, my wife. Who's the second person? Coach. <laughs> All right, <laughs> you get to choose anyone to come and drape your country's flag over your shoulders. Who gets the honor? It can be anyone. Celebrity, loved one. Uh, uh, Meb. Meb. Love that. (laughs) All right. What's your post-race meal? Everyone's got one. I'm saying it's burger and fries and nothing. No no water, no bananas, no peanut butter, no bread, (laughs) nothing. I was like nothing after the race. It's just like so much of of having it. I just don't want to see it. (laughs) Nothing that you ate for the previous four months, basically. No. No. All right. We have a lot of first time marathoners listening, people who are training to run their very six twenty very first twenty six point two mile race this fall. What is your best advice for all the first timers listening? Um just be, uh, listen to your body, be realistic with your run, with yourself and um give the time for it because um it takes time. And be patient and enjoy the process for sure. Enjoy the progress and don't ask don't be afraid of asking for advice. All right, let's get some more advice from you. What is your best advice for marathoners who are going for a PR or a big goal this fall? Um, I just, I keep saying, like, start your marathon from 30 miles. The first 30 miles should you get you uh, in the zone, but after 30 miles, you're 
race should start. And then definitely you would be out if you run niggas split. Last thing I need from you. What is something you want every marathoner, the first timers, the fastest timers, the fun timers, what is something you want all of them to have in their heads at the mile 26 mark with 0.2 to go? Um, just think about the training you did and, um, and uh, also the s- some sacrifice we've done to reach here and just keep pushing and don't even think about the pain and just don't, and don't listen to your body. But at that time, don't listen to your body. Just go. <laughs> <laughs> just go. I love that. Point two, just go. Yeah. Well, I have loved chatting with you and getting to know you better. Same here, I, I think it's much. amazing that you run so darn fast and you've got a lot of other things going on in life too. So keep that up. Keep inspiring. And thanks for chatting with us today. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the third episode in the You Can Run a Marathon series on the Alley on the Run show. We have four more weeks to talk about everything that'll help guide you toward your strongest marathon. Still to come, Molly Bookmeyer, Meb Kaflesky, all your training and fueling questions answered and more. Let me know what you're thinking of the series so far by hitting me up at Allie on the Run 1 on Instagram and Twitter and on the Allie on the Run Facebook page. You can also leave a rating and review for the show on Apple Podcasts, which is always very appreciated. Before I let you go, let's give a big thank you to Generation You Can for making this series possible. Go to generationyoucan.com and use code ONTHERUN for 20% off your order and free shipping. If you're trying You Can for the first time, go directly to generationyoucan.com slash ONTHERUN50 so you can save 50% and get free shipping on the You Can Run Starter Pack. This is a great way to try out the You Can products and figure out what you like as you get deep into your marathon training. I'll see you next week for more nonstop marathon talk. And as always, thanks for joining me on the run.